Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot In 1996, Seattle police faced an unusual challenge. A severely wounded dog witnessed the murder of his two owners. Could the dog identify the killers, and if so, how? December 9th, 1996, Seattle, Washington. It was going to be a special day for 22-year-old Raquel Rivera, she was starting a new job as a receptionist in a downtown office. I seen her the night before, and she was really excited about it. She was a little sick, but she was worried about she was going to make it to work or not. She was really excited. Raquel shared this house in Seattle's South Park section with her longtime boyfriend, Jay Johnson. The two had been together since high school and were talking about getting married. Just after dawn, neighbors heard gunshots coming from the couple's home. Probably about four or five shots, then a, then a break, and then maybe about six more shots. When police arrived, they found the front door off its hinges. The windows had been shattered by bullets. Inside were two bodies. Raquel Rivera's mother, who lived only a block away, got the phone call. Every parent dreads. When I got there, there was police and everybody. They wouldn't let me in the apartment. And I said, it's got to be Raquel. The bodies were positively identified as Raquel and Jay. The couple's dog, Chief, a six-month-old Labrador mix, was also shot. I poked my head around the corner, saw that the dog was up against the door. He was uh, obviously in pain. Uh, He was growling. There were blood traces all over the door where he had smeared blood against that wall. I said, let's get everybody out, get animal control in here, and get the dog out. This particular case would rate as probably the most severely injured dog that we've ever seen from a gunshot, just by virtue of the face that it received uh, uh, such a full-on uh, frontal uh, bullet right through the the, uh, the front of the nose. Unfortunately, despite undergoing emergency surgery, the dog died. An autopsy was performed. It revealed the dog had been shot twice, a non-fatal shot in the shoulder and a bullet through his muzzle. 
The evidence told homicide investigators that the killer was searching for something. Cabinets have been gone through, um, doors have been opened, uh, the bed um, was tossed around. So clearly the perpetrators wanted to find something. There was no finesse to this. It was a blitz-style attack. They're in, they shoot. Mr. Johnson was shot several times in the legs, which is indicative of someone trying to extract information before. The coroner would later describe the murders as execution-style killings. The entire community was asking who would have killed this young couple who had no known enemies. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The only clues to the murder of Jay Johnson and Raquel Rivera were a smeared footprint at the couple's front door and some 9mm shell casings. Blood spatter was on the walls, floor, and on the inside of the door. Police discovered that a 15-year-old boy living across the street in an apartment building had seen the shooting. This person described them as Samoan males dressed in black, very large men, and um, one wearing a bandana. The boy said the two men kicked open the front door, shot the dog, and then moved into the house. The witness could no longer see them, but he heard the firing. The boy said the men left minutes later and drove away in a red Camaro, driven by a third Samoan man. Police suspected the men were members of a local gang, Mad Pack. There's a large Samoan community in Seattle, our law-abiding, hard-working people. But with every group, you've got a criminal element. And the Mad Pack made up a large portion of their criminal element. Just three days earlier in Seattle's Chinatown, there had been a similar shooting. The victim, Johnny Paik, survived the attack. That being a Samoan male sitting in a red car, a very large Samoan male. Shell casings from the Chinatown shooting were compared to those taken from Jay and Raquel's apartment. They matched. Police now scoured the city looking for any Samoans driving a red Camaro. Amazingly, they didn't have to look far. On the afternoon following Jay and Raquel's murder, police noticed a red Camaro slowly driving past the murder scene. Driving back to the crime scene and checking things out is not an uncommon thing for a suspect to do. It's the old return to the scene of the crime cliche, and it happens. 
The driver of the red Camaro was Charles Nico, a known member of the Mad Pack gang. Although Nico denied any involvement in the shooting, the 15-year-old eyewitness identified him as the driver of the getaway vehicle. When threatened with the death penalty, Nico finally told police what happened. He said the motive was drugs. The Mad Pack gang members heard that Jay and Raquel had cocaine in their house, and they decided to steal it. But after breaking in, the couple said they had no cocaine, and then the men started shooting. Nico identified the shooters as 22-year-old Kenneth Lealuala Ali, whose street name was Sabo Claus, and 24-year-old George Tuilafano, whose street name was Scooby. Both were high-ranking members of the Mad Pack gang. Well, you really knew who they were because, you know, they ran around South Park. They were always, they were bullies. They were always beating everybody up. Both men denied any involvement in the shooting and said they had alibis. A search of their apartment did not produce the 9mm murder weapon. The smeared footprint on the front door could not be matched to either suspect. And eight red stains found on the right sleeve of Sabo Claw's jacket was sent for DNA testing, but it wasn't the victim's blood. In fact, investigators weren't sure what it was. With no forensic evidence to tie the suspects to the crime, Seattle police feared a conviction might be impossible. As Jay Johnson and Raquel Rivera were laid to rest side by side in a Seattle cemetery, their families demanded justice. To decipher exactly what happened at the crime scene, investigator O'Keefe needed to distinguish between the dog's blood spatter and that of Jay and Raquel. I requested through my sergeant, Cindy Tallman, that an officer follow the dog to the vet and draw blood from the dog immediately. Uh, my thinking at the time was to differentiate between the human blood at the scene and the dog blood. The blood spatter and bullet casings in the apartment and the eyewitness account of the 15-year-old boy who lived across the street gave police a rough idea of what had happened. After the intruders kicked open the door, the dog was shot in the shoulder. Then the men went into the bedroom where they shot Raquel. They took Jay into an adjoining room and shot him in the leg while demanding the couple's cocaine. One of the men left to shoot Raquel once more. And when Jay said the couple never had any drugs, they killed him. Despite his shoulder wound, Chief again tried to protect his owners and ran into the bedroom to attack the killers. But why wasn't the victim's blood on the suspect's clothes? Investigators say both Jay and Raquel were shot from a distance and were also wearing clothes, pajamas and t-shirts which absorbed the blood spatter. 
But with Chief, there was nothing to absorb the blood. He was short-haired and had uh, not long hairs around the muzzle or face or neck area, so any kind of uh, serious wound causing a lot of blood is obviously going to spill or spray or go off. It's not going to cling to the coat because there's such a short, smooth coat, it's going to roll right off. Chief was very close to Kenneth when he was shot, and we know also that Chief was shot in the muzzle area. Now police discovered the possible key to the mysterious red stains on the right sleeve of Sabo Claw's jacket. Detective O'Keefe and myself decided to see if we're dealing with a non-human source, namely a dog. Dr. Joy Halverson is an expert in investigating the parentage of world-class show dogs. Championship caliber show dogs can be worth thousands of dollars, and where there's money, there's often corruption. Dishonest breeders engage in a practice known as litter loading, where pups from inferior dogs are mixed in with pups from champion dogs and sold at inflated prices. Knowledgeable buyers now analyze the DNA profiles of their new pups in order to confirm their dog's championship parentage. Dog DNA is uh, exactly like human DNA. Uh, the only difference would be we use a different set of DNA markers, but in terms of its chemical properties and the way it, it behaves with these testing procedures, it's exactly the same. Police suspected the red spots on Sabo Claw's right sleeve came from the victim's dog chief. Dr. Halverson cut out a piece of the sleeve with the red stains on it and analyzed it with a PCR-based DNA test. A little piece of that fabric is taken and put into a tube and various uh, buffers and so on are added to it. Blood cells will come off the fabric into the liquid and then the various uh, treatments are done to extract the DNA from that. The results were consistent with the blood from a dog. But was the blood from the victim's dog chief? Dr. Halverson compared the DNA markers from the blood on the suspect's sleeve to the blood taken from chief during his autopsy. The result was a perfect match. The blood on Sabo Claw's right sleeve was the blood of Chief. Prosecutor Tim Bradshaw knew he'd face a challenge from defense lawyers. We were unable to find any other case, a homicide case in the country, where um, canine-based DNA had been admitted into um, evidence. The defense lawyers not only would challenge the admissibility of the canine DNA evidence, they described it as hocus-pocus, and boldly predicted their clients would walk free. members charged with killing Jay Johnson and Raquel Rivera were facing first-degree murder charges. Prosecutors not only had the teenaged eyewitness from across the street who identified the two in a police lineup, 
They also had DNA evidence from the victim's dog on Kenneth Leilualaa Ali's sleeve. Also on his sleeve were hairs. They were not human, but they were compared to Chief's hair and found to be consistent. This wasn't as good as the DNA evidence, but certainly wouldn't hurt the prosecution's case. The main suspect, Kenneth Leilualaa'i, became so disruptive he had to be restrained in a wheelchair for the eight-week trial. He taunted the judge, the family members, saying he'd never get convicted. Every time we walk in, he would just look at us and and laugh at us and you know throw kisses at us when the girls would walk in. I just I hate it. I hate it. Prosecutors presented their theory of how the murders were committed based on the blood spatter evidence. Prosecutors believe that the suspects kicked open Jay and Raquel's door and immediately were confronted by the dog chief. They shot the dog in the shoulder. After killing both Rachel and Jay, Chief once again tried to protect his owners. Chief was shot at point-blank range. The blowback blood spatter landed on Ken's right sleeve. When presented with the DNA evidence linking Ken's jacket to the dog, the judge ruled that legally the animal DNA was the same as human DNA. If the testing was the same, then so was its value as evidence. We took advantage of the fact that the science is is no different than the human uh, testing that's done now in in the forensic community, and there's really no there's nothing groundbreaking about it. It's just a, a different set of DNA markers developed for dogs. It was the first time. Animal DNA was used in the United States as evidence in a criminal case. Kenneth Lealuala Ali'i took the stand and said he had an explanation for the dog blood on his sleeve. He told the jurors that a few nights prior to the murders, he was at a dance club in Tacoma, got into a fist fight with another man there, and that uh, thereby explains the blood. Uh, that did um, give me an opportunity to ask him whether the man he was fighting with had hit him uh, with a dog, and he um, really couldn't explain that. After 12 hours of deliberation, the jury sentenced both men to life in prison. Kenneth Lealuala Ali'i laughed as the verdict was read. But the last laugh was reserved for Chief the victim's courageous dog. I had a few puns about our case in chief, but the third victim here, chief, was uh, exceedingly important to our case. And, um, you know, we're grateful to that. But we're also, this will sound a little hokey, but grateful to the scientific community for making a contribution to justice. And that's exactly what happened here. 
Jay and Raquel had bought Chief for protection. Little did they know that he would someday bring their killers to justice. The one victim who could never speak ended up providing perhaps the most uh, eloquent of testimony. And that was from the, uh, the DNA profile that um, uh, clearly placed um, defendant Liwa Lali at the crime scene. The verdict brought small satisfaction to Raquel's mother, who now makes a point of keeping a dog around the house. Her only child, who she raised by herself, is dead for no reason, leaving a great void in her life that no amount of justice can ever fill. We were so close. Her and I, as she was growing up, just her and I. What I learned from this case is that if it's alive, it has DNA. There is plant DNA. There is animal DNA. Every domestic animal has a DNA data bank now. The Department of Interior has a laboratory where they do DNA on wild species. Just from my own experience of owning animals, I mean, I'm sure if I looked on my clothing right now, I'd find some animal hairs. And if somebody kidnapped me and put me in the trunk of their car, they'd probably a few of those hairs would end up on the trunk of their car. So if, if someone's being alert and thinking about these things, I think they're valuable sources of evidence. And so it's a constant reminder for investigators to be uh, vigilant in your approach to any sort of crime scene and to be quite open-minded and imaginative about what application uh, you can do as far as um, what science is available because and to a large degree science is leading the way and we got to keep up.